coming out to you almost live from the most boring apocalypse in human. Hey folks, thanks so much for coming back to listen. This is our brand new podcast. The Cottonmouth Club presents. The Cottonmouth Club presents in which we talk all things bars, bartending spirits, cocktails. Everything has to do with bars all through the specific lens of hospitality, which is unique to this kind of place. Fuego! Fuego. Fuego. So we're continuing our series of Cowboy Storytime, read by Danny Furness in his cowboy voice and his Texas twang. Right now we're reading Gunman's Bluff by Max Brand, in which our intrepid gunslinger Cheyenne loses the use of his right hand, which is his shooting hand. Today we're reading part five. But before we go on, I just want to remind everybody we are still bartenders, which means we do work for tips. So if you like what you're hearing, give some love to our tip jar on Venmo, at the Cottonmouth Club staff. That's Venmo, the Cottonmouth Club staff, the Cottonmouth Club dash staff. Every little bit helps. We appreciate everyone who's dropped a buck or two in our tip jar. All the money goes directly to the staff to keep them in food and everything else they need until we figure all this out. So without further ado, I'm passing you on to Danny Furness reading Gunman's Bluff. Thanks so much and stay tuned. Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. <laughs> So yeah, now they're going to a dance, huh? Oh yeah, I'm gonna go down there. All right, self-preservation, Romeo and Juliet. Go down there. <laughs> rattlesnake. Yeah. Rattlesnake dance. <laughs> All right, whenever you're ready, buddy. All right, part five. He found a deserted shack up on the south shoulder of Old Smoky and lived there. The forge for sideways was good. There was a bright little cascade making its own thunder and lightning not far away. As for game. He could go to the chosen spots and wait, his revolver in his left hand, steadied across a rock until meat walked into view. This was not sportsmanship, but perhaps he was never again to be a sportsman. He began his days with the first faint light of the morning and ended them very late by firelight. He practiced writing, left-handed and right-handed, and found that left-handed was easier. He tried his axe left-handed and right-handed. Left-handed was easier. Whatever he did with his right hand seemed to blur his brain with the effort. It was like walking over a straight road that is deep with mud. Once, it was on the third day, as he patiently worked the pencil with his left hand over the paper, he looked down at the formless, scrawling line that he had made and suddenly leaped up with an oath. He beat his fist against the wall of the shack and cursed the Marcus, the girl, the doctor, and finally himself. Afterwards, he went out into the sun and sat down. The sun was hot. The wind carried life into his nostrils. Off at the side, he saw from the corner of his eye the silver flash of the cascade that kept on talking high or low, by day and by night. It was better, he decided, to live up here, secluded, than to go down among men and be slaughtered. He could see now that although there was a special peril in Martindale, there were other perils in all places for him. His hand had been too heavy, and it had fallen on too many people. He could remember now the men he had fought against in other days, men with white, strained faces, distraught and desperate as they faced odds against which they knew they could not triumph. He had thought, in those other times, that these fellows were simply cowards. Now he knew better. He could feel the strain coming into his own face as he merely thought of undertaking battle against normal fighting men. On Wednesday, he made up his mind that he would not go down to Martindale, no matter what he had promised the girl. On Thursday, he was assured that it would be madness for him to enter that town. On Friday, 
He stood out with his revolver in his right hand and tried three shots at a big rock. Twice the bullets hit the air. One slug hit the ground ten feet away from the base of the boulder. Sick-faced, he stared down at the hand and the gun. He tried left-handed. All three shots hit the rock, but he had to fire slowly. In the time he needed for firing one shot with any accuracy, he could have poured in four or five in the old days, flicking home the shots with an instinct that was like touch. Saturday morning, a deer actually walked across the clinic. He had a chance for three shots left-handed. The third wounded the deer in the shoulder. It fled three-legged for a mile. He had to follow and put it out of its pain. Then he had to cut up the carcass left-handed and bear the burden of the meat back to the little shack. Four shots to kill a deer. But the best part of this was that he had plenty to do, fire and sun drying the venison. He would keep himself occupied while this day wore away and the time of the dance with it. Then the sun went down. He tried to busy himself about the shack, but the beauty of the sunset drew him to the door where he stood to watch it. That turbulent rising of mountains west and north, that far flowing of the hills to the south made his mind flow that way to the picture of unseen Martindale. He had been in that very dance hall more than once. He knew every house and shop in that town. He had been a welcome visitor there, but now Danny Martin was dead and Chuck Martin walked with a limp. Every time Chuck Martin limped, the Martins were sure to set their teeth and renew their bitter, silent resolve to take his life. He began to think of Danny Martin, handsome and savage and treacherous, making an easy living through his crooked skill with the cards. Try as he might, he could not be sorry that he had planted a few ounces of lead in Danny's lithe young body. They would be lighting their lamps in Martindale now. They'd be polishing the floor of the barn that served as his dance hall, and the girls of the town would be decorating the old place, stringing long, sweeping lines of twisted, bright-colored paper streamers along the rafters and walls. Cheyenne took a step outside the door of the shack. The night was coming. It was rising out of the earth, and the day was departing from the burning sky. There was a coldness and sickness in him, and he knew that was the stranger. Fear. But there was a joy in him, too, and that, he knew, was a picture of Dolly Martin. He found himself saddling sideways. Then he was scrubbing his hands, working on the nails to get the impacted grease out from under them. He was taking a bath in cold water, using roughness of hard rubbing in places. <laughs> hard rubbing. Alright, alright. <laughs> hard rubbing. Alright. He was taking a bath in cold water, using roughness of hard rubbing in the place of hot water and soap. Yet all the time he had told himself that he would never be such a fool as to go down to the dance in Martindale. And all the time, he knew that he would go. Whew. Yeah. You gonna go down there? Well, I, I, I now I want to see what happens. Going down there with two left hands. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see, dude. Gotta see, gotta see about that girl. Love to our tip jar on Venmo at Cottonmouth Club staff. Dope. <clears throat> Stop shutting